Welcome back to the Programmatic Digest podcast, a discussion on top programmatic and digital news with other digital ninjas. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own Programmatic Sensei. Please visit ProgrammaticDigest.com to check out the show notes for today's conversation, included all referred articles and our expert info. In the Sunset's Corner this week, we welcome Colin Cleveno, the SVP Head of Programmatic at 360i. Welcome to the Sunset's Corner, Colin. We're so excited to have you. Thanks so much, Elaine. It's great to be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, 360i before we dig into the articles. I'm uh, a rare breed. Um, I've been at 360i. It's coming up on 15 years next month, um, which wow. is crazy for the agency yeah. side. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's been an exciting ride. So I've been here, um, you know, and saw the the entire agency grow from roughly 40 people to over 800. Um, and that career here has spanned from doing things such as lead gen to um, a little bit of search for entertainment clients to performs display. And then um, about um, nine years ago, was presented with the opportunity to start the programmatic practice. So that's what I've been doing ever since. That is really cool. And yes, it's very unusual to uh, <laughs> have somebody work for an agency for that long. But that's very cool. And that's why I was looking forward to speaking with you because of your expertise and your background. So let's dig into those two articles. They were both written by Ronan Shield, Ronan Shield um, at Adweek. Um, the first article I really want to pick your brain on is the IEB Tech Lab has a campaign strategy to educate the public about ad tech. Um, even though the other articles is, came out a little bit before this one, I still wanted to um, kind of discuss this one before we get into the second one. So just to recap the the article for our listeners, the IAB initiative is to break down to the public what is really going on in our industry in terms of how their data is tracked and how their data is used on the consumer side. Um, they they really outlined a planned campaign on the IAB, at the IAB annual leadership meeting. And basically the campaign's goal is to, uh, and maybe a benefit of the campaign is really pushing the rest of the industry to focus to become more consumer centric and con- and allow the consumer to control the ecosystem by understanding how it works. I I wanted to ask you first your thought about <laughs> Google's latest uh, <laughs> latest bang about the third party data going away and and if it has affected you 360i or any of your your team and if not why and how you guys are handling that but also what do you think about like oh like this is an educational campaign to educate the consumer about how the ad industry is using their data what are your thoughts there yeah i want to start with the the latter part first um yeah I, I, when I read the article, I was like, I kind of read it just from more or less like a consumer lens. So I understand the merit behind it, but it almost seems like apologetic for like mismanagement um, that could potentially alarm people. Um, when you talk to a, a lot of people that aren't in the industry, they don't really understand necessarily how ad tech works. And I get that that's really the the objective of the campaign, but I almost fear that it could cause uh, people to be even more creeped out and which is what they're trying to fend against, right? So Mm -hmm. whenever you talk to people, my friends or even people in this industry, which I think the biggest 
creep factor, if you will, has been around people saying that like their phone's listening to them, right? And like they then they yeah. see the ads yeah, yeah. in in yeah. in Instagram. So I find that to be actually what people are really gravitating towards and being concerned about. And that could whether whether or not like the micro like the the microphones on your phones are listening and it's translating the ads uh, is debatable. Um, you know, it's obviously been right. disputed, but uh, it could also be that the what the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon when you like see something recently or you learned about it, then you see it everywhere. So it could be something like that. Or, you know, targeted ads are, are interesting. People kind of almost appreciate the relevancy, but then they wonder how. Um, just to, and I'm going to go on a quick tangent here, but the other day uh, I had some friends over and we're talking about the water in my house, right? And, and we're saying it's hard water and then we need a softener. I came home yesterday to an actual piece of mail in my mailbox about an entire home system for water softeners. Now, wow. like, right. And like, if I didn't have that conversation the like two days before, I would have been like, oh my God, like this is like, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. Right. But then yeah, because right. I did, it made me think of like, how did they do this? How did they understand the targeting aspect of it? And I think that's really what we have to understand is like the objective behind this this education campaign has to really address what the consumer's concerns are, not necessarily like, hey, this is how data is used. I think it's really the heart of the issue is just around the user experiences. It's around people are blocking ads because they don't really like ad clutter or they don't want the click to clickbait or the playbait type of uh, environment. And so mm-hmm. if this if this campaign needs to address those types of things and think about it from the the angle of what is how does this benefit the consumer, right? How does this benefit them knowing all these things about the inner workings of the ad tech ecosystem? And if it's just to say this is how we use your data versus is actually saying, how does this provide you a tangible benefit, such as, again, like free internet? Um, I think then it's a miss. So that would be what I really want to encourage the IAB to think about and how um, it's really just discussing what targeted advertising allows people to do and like the benefits of them uh, to them. And I think that's really what, um, again, if that's how this rolls out, then it would be beneficial. But if it's more of just a one-on-one education on how ad tech works, I think it's going to miss the mark. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Um, and part of what they, they mentioned too, and the goal of also doing this campaign is to really highlight the trade-off, right? Like, oh, give us your your <laughs> some of your privacy, private data, and this is what we can do for you instead. And um, I think during that same IB, uh, during the IB annual leadership meeting, they introduced, I guess, um, Project Rearc. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, Project Rearc is like, they defined it as an industry collaboration to re-architect the digital marketing space. And um, so, 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 so this, this project, this campaign, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of of how it's going to be implemented and how it's actually going to to position us as an industry in front of the consumer because you're absolutely right like I've been working in the industry for eight years if you ask my mom or my dad what I do I don't know she's in marketing like she targets people (laughs) that's what my dad says she targets people online um so which is to some extent close enough to what we do um, but I appreciate the initiative, but like you mentioned, maybe you should have done a little bit before, before, um, 
the you know before the governments and the regulations are flexing uh, some against some of those big ag tech and also you know what let's jump into the second article because i think i'm getting ahead of myself but um, in the second article, I really wanted to to talk about, which is very much related to to this one, is it's called AdTech is trying to rebuild the industry from the ground up. And again, in the the article, Ronin really highlighted what the project Rearc is. And um, just to give a quick summary to our listeners, and I'm quoting directly from the article at this point, but sources tell AdWeek. This will involve working with publishers to generate a new means of targeting specific audience segments based on first-party data, such as an email address. These data points can then be hashed by hashed to generate a pseudonym for a user, which is then packaged and made available as an audience targeting tool for advertisers. So the way I understand Project Rearc, and you let me know if we're going away, we're stepping away from third-party cookies, the XYZ, the, the actual ID. We have no idea who it is. We have no way of ident- identifying the person because it's a cookie. And now we're using their email address and packaging that email address into some form of audience that we'll be able to target moving forward. In my professional opinion, I don't think it's taking care of the whole privacy thing because now we know exactly who the person is. And it's, it's I'm not sure. Am I, am I understanding this correctly? Do you have your own uh, understanding of, of what could be a solution? Yeah, I think it is essentially trying to figure out, like cookies right? are anonymous browser scripts, right? It's just a piece of con- like right. code that lives on a browser. And... Truthfully, a user at any point can go and delete their cookies, but most people don't go through that effort. Um, and the entire, you know, especially from a programmatic perspective, the entire ecosystem functions and relies on cookies to transact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is it the the way that I think, you know, if you had to start from scratch, I don't think most people in ad tech would say this is the right way to do it because then you have to match cookie ABC to cookie XYZ between partners and it leads to degradation and in, in the strength of the actual um, of the cookie and the match. So I think like the concept of Project Rearc is the correct concept in the sense of we have to find something that the the ad tech ecosystem can rely on that is more universal. So I think it is a problem um, when you think about that right now we're so dependent on a few gatekeepers, them, the two main ones being Google and Apple, right? So yeah. Google making the, the decision for Chrome, then Apple making decisions yeah. f- for Safari. Yes, there's Firefox, mm-hmm. but really honing in on Google and Apple because they own the largest app stores. And like, yes, they've now addressed cookies and what they're going to be roughly doing to third-party cookies, mm-hmm. but they could be doing the same thing with mobile ad IDs, right? So right. so maids could be going away soon. And then you think about how they're attacking uh, fingerprinting and a lot of people use IP addresses to be able to do fingerprinting. So I think in the end, like Project Rearc is the proper way of saying like, listen, we need to figure out how does this entire ecosystem not implode because one of the fundamental components of it is going away and there needs to be an identifier um, and it's a privacy safe identifier that people can control that can go into wherever it lives and make edits, edits, modifications or delete it 
uh, holistically if they want to, um, but it does have to, you know, there are some things that are going to map back um, to an individual, just like your direct mail type of targeting. You have, yeah. you, you give mm-hmm. your home address or your, your phone number and people know where you are. Um, it's really not going to be much different than being able to eventually hone in on collection of sources of data who are going to have to be verified for that they're allowed to collect that PII. Um, and then there's going to be stipulations on how it's resold and who it's resold to, to then be able to identify those uh, particular individuals. So uh, I don't think it's just necessary an email hash is going to be the solution because there's so many different ways to identify. There, People have multiple email addresses, people have multiple devices, um, and they have different phone numbers from work to home. So there's there's so many different components that can go into identifying a particular individual, but I think ultimately what Project Rearch is going to address is like, how do we create that universal uh, identifier of sorts? Um, I don't think it is, again, just going to be, it can't, it, it shouldn't live as yeah. there's one for this browser, is one for that browser, one for this yeah. OS versus that one. So, Which I think that's what's happening right now. Like uh, Google has, what is what do they call it? The sandbox. Um, you know, yeah, the, the privacy sandbox. The privacy sandbox, thank you. And I remember last year around the same time, uh, the traders came out with a unified ID solution, mm-hmm. which yep. basically was just unifying some of those big guys on the DSP. On the DSP side, just unifying them onto one type of language. I think the unified ID solution was mainly because they wanted to make sure, you know, to kind of clean out some of those targetings because every, like I said, everybody has their own language. So it was creating that universal language between um, the technologies, the ad tech. So now I'll be curious, like, did have you heard about the, the uni- unified ID solution from the traders? Have you had a chance to maybe test it out? Or how is that complementing the project we are what do you um think? yeah no I, so unified id was trade desks um right you know answer but there is there's digit trust which is owned now by the iab that was also a consortium of trying to come out with a unified id there was yeah, the yeah. Uh, another consortium that was uh heavily backed by app nexus originally and then they pulled out um and that's kind of why the trade desk went and did their own thing um and i'm not discrediting any of those particular mm-hmm. solutions. I know uh, industry pundits have their own POVs on which one should prevail or not. The reality is right now, um, no one's able to agree. Uh, and so you have no, you yeah. have that. You have um, identity links, which is through uh, LiveRamp. And, uh, you know, here at 360i within Dentsu, we have our sister company, uh, Merkle has M1, um, the M1 ID that we actually, it's an identity solution that allows us to then target and identify individuals based off of like 242 million households. Um, So I think what we're going to see is like a lot of these different um, identity solutions that are going to exist um, in the interim if there can't be a particular standard. So it might be something that becomes a key differentiator for certain key players in the industry. You look at, you know, Group M had the M platform that now is more or less defunct. You look at the Axiom acquisition by IEPG. You look at the Epsilon acquisition by uh, Publicis. So the idea of needing to have uh, an identity solution or an ability to do identity resolution um, is going to be prevalent for the next coming years. 
until I think the industry can really rally around one holistic way, which may or may not actually happen. Um, and I think it's too soon because, again, when you look at DigiTrust, that's that's not something that just started six months ago. It's been around, and it's just when you're trying to get different ad tech companies to agree on one way of working, it's proven to be difficult. So I think you're going to have some different uh, systems that are going to just emerge based off of their own ability to scale. You know what? I'd need all of them to um, get it together like over <laughs> a nice happy hour at a cookout and just figure it out for us because <laughs> all we want to do is make sure we, we respect consumers. At the same time, we do a great job at targeting relevantly. So, yeah, um, I think they should all call each other and, and figure that out for us because <laughs> that will make things much more easier. Do like a, an executive retreat and just go to yeah, the beach exactly. and beach house and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it would be great. I think like, it's like uh, we say in jest, but like the truth is like there's obviously incentives that these companies have for their own systems. And yeah, some but... of them are actually outdated in the sense that they all resolve back to a cookie of some sort. And so yeah. until the the industry figures out what it's going to resolve to and what's going to be that almost like foundational language, it's going to be hard. How do you translate an ID from one space to the other if um, there isn't that like common uh, language and so you know like you're looking at you you have to build out and it's like thinking about back in the day when uh, publishers they had to sign on to SSPs because they needed to access to the DSPs but they didn't want to build their own integrations and the flip side is DSPs couldn't build out individual yeah. uh, integrations with every single publisher so there will be just like there's a handful of dsps there's a handful of ssps yes consolidations right. happening there might be a handful of ids that people use uh, for targeting purposes and i think it just comes down to like you said like as long as the consumer's um ability to have be privacy safe is there mm -hmm. and at the core of it and like they have controls over it and i think that's really what matters because let's be honest the things that freaked people out are these data breaches that happen look yeah. at in the news just recently, MGM was oh, hacked. Uh, 10 million, yeah. 10 million um, IDs were, were hacked, right? Identities. And then Cambridge Analytica, we're all still reeling from from that, oh, that fallout. Sure, yeah. So <laughs> it's all about um, how I think the data breaches are freaking people out more than saying like, hey, I didn't like seeing that ad that had the shoes that I just bought. It's annoying, but it's not actually yeah. concerning that my privacy is going to be leaked and someone's going to steal it and open up a credit card. Yeah, and, so. and they also, I can't remember if it was eMarketers that came back with um, the research, but after Cambridge Analytica, I mean, a lot of consumers were mad at Facebook, but it did not show a decrease right. of subscribed usage. members yeah. or of usage. Thank you. So um, so if we are going to do that for the consumer, then <laughs> is it worth it? It's just like one of those reports you sent to a long time, a legacy client, and you're not sure if they read it because they've never right. asked a question about it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, I think it's just fascinating if you think about the ways that, you know, publishers are having yeah. to identify people now as like, you know, you read one or two articles and then you're prompted to log in, right? Or yeah. uh, because they want to capture email or they're pushing a lot of content behind paywalls, which makes complete sense why they would do that. But people are yeah. handing over more and more PII. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I think like as a consumer, I, I am even like when I go to a store and a retailer and they're like, you just want to buy a, a, a new pair of jeans and then you got to give your email address because they basically make it impossible not to. That is actually a, an annoying thing for me as a consumer. I just want to 
head right out, right? I just want to pay and go. So so many of the transactions and interactions right now revolve around having to provide some sort of PII. So I think going back to the first article, if you think about it, like ad tech ecosystem data, like data privacy in general needs to be addressed, not just around ad tech. It's just how are these companies that people are trusting how are they actually protecting those da- the data that people are willingly to, willingly handing over to these companies, right? And and I don't think anyone's going to an individual retailer's privacy policy and understanding what their security protocols are, but that's the reality of it. That's really what people are reacting to, and the the scaredness. The is that even a word? The the scared <laughs> scaredness. Um, I felt it. So yeah, I, I felt scaredness word. So it's okay. right. I think that's 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 what they're scared of there, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's so crazy that you mentioned just as simple as just buying a pair of jeans and then asking for someone's email address or a phone number. And and I do think that we are moving from like a prob- probabilistic world into like a more deterministic uh, world. And I think I had Matt Praska on on the show last year and he oh, nice. said that they they called it. They said in the next few years, you know, third party cookies is going to disappear and everybody is going to start um, buying deterministic data. However, whatever that, that means. And he, he gave the industry about five years to to get to that point. That really pushed me to actually look at, okay, third-party data is how we all, yes, this is how, it's like the the OG of our industry and the way we target, but <laughs> it really prompted me to look beyond just third-party data and data providers. Like now I'm more willing to look at contextual another way. I'm more willing to actually invest in a vendor like LiveRamp, as you mentioned earlier, because they are able to... Um, you know, use that first party data on behalf of a client and allow me to do what I need to do in terms of like packaging the audiences in-house versus buying somebody that already did that for for us. So, Well, I think it's the power is now shifting back to the publishers, which I think is actually a good thing. And Mm -hmm. publishers for the longest time were kind of caught um, in the middle. Um, Some more flat-footed than others but now they you know people it's the old adage right content is king and publishers have the content people are going to the read the and consume those articles um because they want that particular content and so they have now the data on these individuals um and that's i think what is I think it's fair in the sense of like they've always had the individuals, they always had the eyeballs, and I think now like it just is going to be about how they create those segments for targeting reasons, right? So, um, you know, they know who's reading what. They need to get better at classifying the individuals, especially now that they're capturing email addresses and get, getting people to log in. Um, I think yeah. that'll allow for you know in that sense, you know, second party data to prevail outside of first party data, right? So you're going to have your first party, which is only going to have limited scale to it. You can model that out or you can jump to second party data to augment. But, um, you know, I think that's, there are strong players in the industry that are going to have the ability to do that, right? They're going to have that data on individuals. The long tail that don't, they're going to be relegated to probably more or less the contextual targeting that they can do or be a, a particular vertical, almost like a vertical ad net, or, you know, right. they're just about one particular type of content. So you you can either choose to be buying them because it's endemic or it's related mm-hmm. to another category that there's synergies between. That is like, I think, I think we could probably talk about this topic <laughs> and we'll probably keep talking about it. It's funny, but I do want to 
uh, shift gear and maybe go into our next segment where we, we like to shine our diversity light. And um, I like to ask every guest on the podcast if they have an example of like an agency, a brand, even a creative that's done diversity right or wrong. So do you have anybody in mind that you want to share? Yeah, I, I mean, from, um, you know, just from an agency perspective, I, I'm mm-hmm. proud uh, at 360i and how we have actually approached diversity and inclusion. Um, I know roughly uh, about 60% of our agency is women um, and about one third are non-white. Um, so I think that's actually a really important thing that we we promote and talk about. We have a lot of uh, different types of groups, um, diversity and inclusion groups. We have one um, called Being um, for Black Black employees. It's a resource group and uh, being Black History Month, they've been doing phenomenal work on educating people, um, bringing in different uh, speakers to get people to understand um, the culture uh, better. So I think it's just like from an agency, I'm proud of what we're doing here. And and we have a lot of the director plus here are also women. So I think, you know, the, from the, again, from an agency perspective, I'm proud. One of the ads I think you were thinking, like you were talking about, was like, did someone do diversity right? And it just struck me as an ad when I was watching the Super Bowl. And I, I think it actually happened uh, right around kickoff was uh, the ad done by Secret about um, uh, the women football uh kicker i I, that ad really resonated with with me um i just thought it was actually just really well done and it's just kind of like you got to break those the bias that you might have on who should be doing what um and and i think there's just like obviously a history of of people just you know of thinking one way um and and we have to get people to think other ways and i thought that that the ad by secret was actually a really good one yeah you're referring to uh carly lloyd um Yes, she is. A, yep, yep. I'm a big fan of the women's soccer team, so I definitely, I definitely resonated with that, and I was like, yeah, I got excited when I saw the ad. So yeah, <laughs> cool. Thank you for sharing. That was that was really cool. And and now in closing, I like to ask a couple fun questions to every guest. So tell us two things, like a two fun facts about yourself in less than like 20 seconds. <laughs> Uh, the two things are the, the, my go-to. Um, one, I love snowboarding. It's a passion of mine. It's yeah. probably right now my only hobby. Um, okay. And this one, this one is not technically mine, but it's always a fun one. Is my sister is an erotic novelist. Oh, so. is it? <laughs> yeah. So you're using her as a fun fact. I love it. By by association. By association, yeah. well, <laughs> it usually gets um, people talking a lot more than the snowboard one, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was gonna ask, what is her name? <laughs> uh, I can tell you her pen name. It's uh, Jane oh, Ryan. Yeah, her pen name. That's <laughs> what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yep. and then last question before we part ways here: uh, What is the latest book you've read or the latest audible you've listened to? Ooh. Oh, that's that's a fun one. Um, a coworker of mine uh, told me that her favorite book um, when she was a kid growing up was A Wrinkle in Time. And I was looking for something that was, I read way too much about the industry. And she's like, <laughs> you need you need a break. You need something else. And, and so I actually have been reading that, which I know is more of a, a children's book, but um, yeah. it, it's a nice mental break um, from the industry, which is <laughs> 95% of what I consume. That is so me too. I'm very into self-development and memoir type of books. So like just learning about other people's experience. And then once in a while, just, I'll just like, 
okay, I need to take a break and I'll read a book that we read in, in high school or from back home from a, you know, African literature or because you're right. You have to be educated, which is why I started the podcast. Like it's everything is advancing so fast. Like it's, it's hard to keep up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely relate to that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Again, you'll find everything we've discussed today, including Colin's information, the show notes, and all referred articles on our website, programmaticdigest.com. Please take a few minutes to leave us a review wherever you're streaming and just share with anyone that can benefit from it. And in conclusion, fam, we're all humans working in a fast advancing industry. So as a reminder, we're not saving lives, y'all. At the end of the day, our mission of this podcast is to share knowledge, highlight diversity, and educate ourselves as we build this community of programmatic ninjas or families, as we would say in my culture. Stay confident. <laughs>